Mountain Radio, Episode 70. Welcome to Roan Mountain Radio. I'm Ken Turner. This is a podcast about Roan Mountain, the jewel of the Southern Appalachian Mountains, always located on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. This is a preliminary preview for the Winter Naturalist Rally. This is the 10th annual Winter Naturalist Rally brought to you by your friends of Roan Mountain. Uh, links to Friends of Roan Mountain, also links to RoanMountainRadio.com, located in the bottom of this email or in the show notes at RoanMountainRadio.com, episode 070. The preview of the Winter Naturalist Rally very quickly. The rally is February the 11th, Saturday. It's a one-day, all-day rally for the whole family. It starts out at 9 in the morning. Join us for registration at 9, and then the programs, the presentations, start at 9.15, I believe. And you can sit by the fire, have you a cup of hot chocolate, and listen to some really educational outdoor programs. Jamie Donaldson, the famous botany Project Goat Herd will be there talking about the alder balls. Well, actually, he's talking about great graminoids, but I think those are plants anyway. The hike, the afternoon, Jamie's going to be leading a hike up on the balls to the alder balls of Roan Mountain. Then the next presentation at 1025 is Cindy Barrett. She'll be talking about the lily leaf spot disease. Now, if you've been up on the balls and seen the famous Gray's lily, you'll notice, I hope you've been looking and not touching because there's a leaf spot problem. And that's what Cindy has been doing a lot of research on. And we're going to get to hear some of the results and uh, predictions of her research. Then Dr. J. Franklin at 11.05 will talk about the late prehistoric towns and Cherokee archaeology in the upper reaches of the Tennessee Valley. Now, this was an exciting uh, nomination for presentation, I guess. Uh, Winter Rally Director Richard Broadwell was talking about some of Dr. Franklin's research, and we just really got excited about hearing the new discoveries of hundreds of year old artifacts and settlements. He's actually pinpointed some new information on prehistoric settlements right here in our area and i'm looking forward to listening more than talking about be sure if you want to get a prepaid lunch to get your prepayment into nancy before wednesday february the 8th address and information on the brochure that's the winter rally brochure and registration links provided on the show notes then choice of three hikes at one o'clock there's jamie's hike up on the balls then there's uh, marty silver from warriors path state park will be doing some animal tracking and studying animal signs that's the kid friendly hike down around the park where he'll actually walk out from the conference center and see what you can find within walking distance there and dr frosty levy professor of biology from east tennessee state university will lead a winter tree identification hike. So this is a real interesting hike. I was on it last year. Information that's available about trees without their leaves is just, that's amazing. So that's a full day at the Winter Naturalist Rally coming February 11th. But enough about that. Let's talk to Jay Franklin, the professor of archaeology and sociology at East Tennessee State University. I'm talking with Dr. Jay Franklin 
about the presentation for the Winter Naturalist Rally. Jay is a professor of archaeology at the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at East Tennessee State University. Welcome, Jay. I'm glad to spend a few minutes with you. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Ken. Well, can you tell us a little bit? I know when Richard brought up the various topics for discussion for program presentations, yours was the one that excited everybody at the meeting the most. And I think that may be just the tip of the iceberg for people knowing or learning about your discoveries in Upper East Tennessee here. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think speaking of tip of the iceberg, I mean, I think that's where we are now. I think there's been uh, for a number of years by various people who um, spent a little time doing some archaeology over maybe the last 30 or 40 years that there was something here. But I think we're just now beginning to understand the scope of prehistoric Native American towns uh, on the really on the major rivers here, and that's the Nolichucky, Watauga, and Holston. And it's interesting because there was a lot of archaeology done under uh, Depression-era programs that make work programs that FDR initiated, and a lot of archaeology was done. And this continued into the 50s. A report by TVA in the 1950s about our reservoirs and lakes up here suggested that the area wasn't suitable for permanent Indian habitation and big villages. It was more of a transient nature and resource extraction and hunting. And, you know, 60, 70 years later, what we were really coming to understand is, no, there were a series of of towns and villages here all along these rivers. So it's it's really very exciting. Well, now that 1958 report, was that just based on all that they knew at the time? I think so. Uh, I think part of the problem during the 50s with that, though, is the fact that, that TVA was overwhelmed. So was the fledgling anthropology and archaeology program at, at University of Tennessee. So part of it is you, you can't get to everything. I mean, right. that, that we all know that in our own lives. Um, so I think that was a lot of it. You know, I tell my students all the time, archaeology is as much about where we've worked and where we haven't worked as it is anything else. And I think that that's part of the issue, too, is there's really you know, never been an archaeologist or an archaeology program on the ground here in the area for, for a very long period of time. And, and that makes a difference, too. So do you feel kind of pressured or panicked that there's so much that hasn't been looked at? And what we're finding, like you mentioned, the tip of the iceberg, does that increase the urgency I don't think so. I mean, I, I joke with, with people all the time that I wish I had sort of stumbled across this when I was about 30 instead of about 50. But, you know, I'm excited more than anything else that I, I, I get to be a part of this, that I get to help frame this up. And what I'm really hoping is that, you know, a new generation of students, the next generation of students really sort of at a certain point takes the ball and runs with all the various aspects of, of what we've kind of come across what are you finding here locally well it looks like particularly on the nolichucky and watauga that we're looking at um i think some late prehistoric cherokee towns or certainly there were cherokee peoples in these towns I, i'm not really sure what the relationships were on the holston so i don't and i don't know if we'll ever be able to fully sort that out about the the ethnicity or the tribal affiliations of these people and the 
you know, the 1500s and even going into the 1600s, we have to use aspects of material culture to help us do that like pottery, but that's not a, that's not a one-to-one correlation either. You can broadly identify Cherokees and other people made their pottery a little bit differently, but we also know that they spent a lot of time together, these different groups, sometimes in the same towns. And so you see a mixing of elements, which I think complicates things as well. So we're also looking at the very real likelihood that one or both of the Spanish Entradas came right through our area, down the Watauga into Johnson City, and then down the middle part of the Nolichucky. So we've got some various ways of trying to explore that. And then I think just the nature of the settlements. You know, are we looking at big towns and satellite villages? Are we looking more at a series of sort of more autonomous but but still connected villages. We, we some of the work we've already done here suggests that there weren't really big chiefs like you see in other areas of the southeast during this time, but maybe a more series of corporately structured towns, kind of like what the English encountered after that big chiefdom system was was long gone in the wake of the Spanish entradas, and and that you just had sort of ruling councils in these towns, not. Uh, big, powerful chiefs that controlled large areas. But what it looks like in Upper East Tennessee is that was maybe never the case here. There were always sort of ruling councils and corporately structured towns. But again, you know, going back to your tip of the iceberg analogy, that's that's really where we are with all of this. Wow. In some of my background, I was uh, looking at your videos on YouTube, some of your presentations there. And I believe one of them, you you mentioned that although we associate all Indian artifacts around here as Cherokee, you mentioned that that might not be the the total picture here. Yeah, that's my strong sense, Ken. I don't, again, I think whether I can ever demonstrate that one way or the other, and I think that's better demonstrated maybe on the Holston where we have a particular kind of pottery called Pisgah that I think most scholars associate with prehistoric Cherokee. Not everybody agrees, but then it mixes with a kind of pottery that's more common in southeast Tennessee where scholars were pretty certain that that pottery was was tied to Muscogean peoples like the Coasati. So that, that mix of pottery like that on the Holston you know, present some real interpretive issues for us. Over on the Watauga and the Nolichucky, we definitely have pottery that, by definition, by our, our archaeological types, it's Cherokee pottery. But it also is mixed in with some other things that look like it's more common from southwestern Virginia and other places. So we even get a lot of pottery in, in, on these sites, particularly in the Noli and the Watauga, that is typologically more like uh, stuff coming from the eastern side of the Appalachians and a very well-known town that the Spanish spent time over there called that they call Joara. And those were probably Proto-Catawban people, Siouan speakers. So we, we've in some ways kind of referred to this area as sort of a crossroads. But again, figuring out exactly what that means is, is going to be you know, part of the goal. <laughs> well... I'm beginning to understand that the more that you find, you're not necessarily finding more answers. You're finding more questions. Yeah. 
And I think that's really the way it works. You know, our last two or three small scale excavations, that's what we said. We've, you know, we've, we've told ourselves and we've told students that we're going to answer some questions here, but the problem is we're going to generate probably exponentially far more questions in the process. And so, you know, Francois Bord, who was a very famous French Paleolithic archaeologist a number of years in one of his books, he said prehistory is a game of patience. And I, I believe that's absolutely true. You don't answer things and solve these issues um, very quickly at all. And in a lot of cases, it's going to take years to sort these things out. Wow. Well, Jay, I appreciate your your time this morning, and I'm glad you've gotten a lot of people started and inspiring students to continue the quest to find more questions and more answers. Well, I appreciate you having me, and I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to talking about this next week. That'll be super, Jay. Looking forward to it, too. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you, Jay. A big thank you to Dr. Jay Franklin for spending a few minutes with us. I know he was in the middle of classes and all kinds of research going on. I appreciate his time and am really looking forward to Saturday's presentation. That's February the 11th at the Roan Mountain State Park for the Winter Naturalist Rally. Links to this in the show notes at RoanMountainRadio.com, episode 70. Also in the email, if you're not on the email list, be sure to fill out the little box there and say, send me more information about Roan Mountain. That's it for this edition of Roan Mountain Radio. I'm Ken Turner. Thanks for listening, and I will see you on the mountain.